and welcome to the show to be named oh, later what? we're talking the what now oh, the what now and welcome to above replacement radio we're we're talking baseball kind of whenever i'm your host christianta over there on the other side of the screen is daniel curran how you doing daniel Chris, I'm doing good. We got another fun week of history this week. We got the best catcher of all time, and we have one of the best come-from-behind stories in the history of baseball this week. Uh, yeah, that is true. 20, 2011 Cardinals, uh, they're, a, they're a team that really came back. You know, people remember, like, the Rays in 2011 coming back uh, during that September uh, the Cardinals did the exact same thing as the Rays. And they did in the playoffs, too. Yeah, and they they won their game 162 when the Braves lost their game 162. Kind of gets forgotten about, and I'm glad we're kind of shining light upon it. Um, And, yeah, we got Johnny Bench. We got Johnny Bench today. Uh, yeah, who, yeah, greatest catcher of all time and also part of – you know some of the greatest teams yeah uh, of all time Big and, and he was a reason yeah he was a reason part of the reason uh they were such great teams you know we we've already done uh one member of the big red machine joe morgan that was our second history episode seems we're we're much more evolved from uh those first few episodes luckily now yes <laughs> uh but yeah we got johnny bench today and we're gonna give we're gonna give you a good one. So Johnny Bench uh, grew up, born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and his family settled in Binger, Oklahoma, when Johnny was five years old. Uh, this is our second Oklahoma native that we've covered. Mickey, uh, Mickey Mantle. Mantle. Yeah, Mickey Mantle is a uh, is a uh, Oklahoma native, and uh, played for the. Baxter Springs Whiz Kids. Uh, people forget about that. Back in uh, back in his teen. I don't think people know about that period. Yeah, not doesn't get talked about enough. I think yeah, Baxter Springs Whiz Kids, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Johnny Bench, he uh, he grew up a little later than uh, Mickey Mantle, and his uh, his father started a boys team when Johnny was six years old, and that was where Johnny Bench started to play catcher at the very young age of uh, about six years old. And later on, Bench said, uh, my father said catching was the quickest way to the big leagues because that's what they wanted. Can't say, uh, can't say that the father was wrong there, especially at the age that Johnny Bench was coming up. And as he grew up, uh, he became inspired from Mickey Mantle, uh, who was the best player of the 1950s and was an Oklahoma native, just like Johnny Bench. So sort of a, maybe, you know, Johnny Bench growing up as a, as a small town kid realized that, you know, the big league dreams aren't really so far away. If Mickey Mantle was able to do it, then he, no excuse for him not to be able to, uh, to reach the show as well. And uh, Bench was actually practicing signing his autograph as a major leaguer uh, before he was even a teenager. Uh, just, you know, putting putting pens on baseballs. Yeah. Uh, trying to see... Uh, always trying to get ahead in life at Johnny Bench. Yeah, you know, the you always want to be prepared. And that's what Johnny Bench was all about. 
uh, practicing his signature, not for, not for the cursive, not for cursive training, but you know, for, for big league training as part of it, people forget about that. And uh, in high school, uh, Johnny Bench went all state in both baseball and basketball. But uh, during high school is where a bus carrying his baseball team lost its brakes and rolled down a 50 foot ravine. And this knocked Bench unconscious and actually killed two of his teammates. And this event stuck with him for many years. Uh, This was a pretty traumatic event early in, in Bench's life, which, you know, outside of this event seemed to be going pretty swimmingly, but this was a real, for lack of a better term, bump in the road. And Bench, uh, after high school, so the MLB Major League Baseball held its first ever draft in 1965. And uh, that was where uh, Johnny Bench was selected in the second round with the 36th overall pick by the Cincinnati Reds. So he was drafted in the, uh, in the same draft as Nolan Ryan was, who we talked about last week. Uh, two, I guess, kind of different career paths, but uh, Bench getting drafted somewhat early, and now he's, uh, now he's in professional baseball. So as a minor leaguer, he started out in 1965, and in that season, he hit 248 with a 672 OPS in 248 plate appearances in A-ball. Obviously not great offensively, but when you're a catcher, uh, you're not anticipated to have great offensive numbers. And despite the subpar offensive numbers, he already had made an impression with his defense, which is kind of what mattered more at that point for catchers. And in 1966, he got a little added bonus as he hit 294 with an 886 OPS with 22 home runs and 68 RBI in 393 plate appearances in A-ball. So that was an awesome season. And then he followed it up in 1967 by hitting 259 with an 818 OPS. He had 23 home runs, 68 RBI, and that was in 370 plate appearances in AAA. And after the 1967 season, he was named the Sporting News Minor League Player of the Year. So he already had some uh, some ex- expectations in the major leagues. And he was called up to the Reds to make his major league debut on August 28, 1967, at the age of 19 years and 264 days old. And unfortunately, in that season, he hit 163 with a 462 OPS in 93 plate appearances. But he did throw out five of the ten attempted base dealers. So that's not bad. But uh, this was no, the hitting stats were no sign of what was to come for Johnny Bench. As uh, now we get into the stage of his career where it's kind of an early arrival, early arrival for Johnny Bench, and uh, in some ways, an early arrival for the Cincinnati Reds and their core. So. In 1968, which was Bench's rookie year officially now, uh, Bench hit 275 with a 743 OPS. And by 1968 standards, this is pretty good. 117 OPS plus and 115 weighted runs created plus in 607 plate appearances. So he was 17% above the average hitter, uh, according to baseball reference, 15% above, according to fan graphs. And he was good at driving in runners pretty early. He hit 310 with runners in scoring position uh, in 1968, which is a huge accomplishment considering it was the year of the pitcher. And he actually made the all-star roster uh, in his rookie year. 
And he also finished third in the league in doubles with 40. And he finished fourth and caught stealing percentage from behind the plate with 47.3% of uh, nailing 47.3% of attempting base stealers. And he also led National League rookies in B-War and F-War. He also won the gold glove in his rookie year and won the National League Rookie of the Year award and finished 16th in the MVP vote. And he played in 154 games, which remains a record for a rookie catcher. His 40 doubles also remain a record for a rookie catcher. And it remains one of only two qualifying seasons, uh, just, just qualifying seasons in general by a catcher in their age 20 season or younger in the live ball era. So, you know, getting those plate appearances and playing in as many games as he did was already an accomplishment uh, uh, at that age. So he didn't even have to, uh, he didn't even have to produce that much, just showing up and playing every day and getting that, getting that start from the manager was an accomplishment in itself. And his 1968 season also has the most at bats, doubles, home runs with 15 RBI with 82 uh, hits with 155 and B war and F war by a catcher in their age 20 season or younger. Uh, so there you go for uh, Johnny bench, you know, making an impression like no other catcher has uh, in their age 20 season. Yeah. He came out guns a blazing in that 1968 year, the pitcher season. Yeah. So we now move to 1969 and Bench got his first start in the All-Star game. He made it the year before, but didn't start. But in 1969, he was behind the plate to start the game and he made an impression in his first ever All-Star game plate appearance. With an National League leading 1-0 in the second inning, 1968 Rookie of the Year, Johnny Bench of Cincinnati makes it 3-0 National League. So Johnny Bench with a home run there in the All-Star game. And in his two plate appearances, he singled and walked. And in his fourth plate appearance, he hit yet another deep fly ball to left field. Not by Castellanos, though. In the sixth inning, the Nationals threaten again. But this great catch by Carl Yastrzemski ends it. Watch this one. The National League went on to win 9-3. It's seventh consecutive All-Star victory. Willie McCovey was the star. So he gets robbed of a home run there by Carl Yastrzemski. Uh, one great player hits to another, I guess. But nonetheless, a good day for Johnny Bench in his first All-Star game in what would be another good season. Through August 13th, Bench was hitting 331 with a 945 OPS, and the Reds had a two-game lead in the National League West. However, after August 13th, Bench hit 223 with a 644 OPS, and the Reds went 26 and 25 and finished four games behind the Braves for the NL West title. And in the year overall, Bench ended up hitting 293 with an 840 OPS, a 129 OPS plus, and 126 weighted runs created plus. But he did hit 343 with a 1033 OPS with runners in scoring position, which is very good. He also led the league in caught stealing percentage with a 57.1% success rate. And he finished ninth in B-War and 12th in F-War in the majors. He won a gold glove and finished 13th in the MVP vote. 
1969 season has the most hits, 156, home runs with 26, RBI with 90, B-War and F-War by a catcher in their age 21 season or younger. So Johnny Bench just continues to push the needle on what he can do at such a young age as a catcher. Yes, this is uh, something you don't see very often. Usually catchers take a little bit more time to develop, but Johnny Bench was just not your average catcher. So now in Johnny Bench's age 22 season, uh, the Reds determine uh, to give Bench's legs a rest while also keeping him in the lineup. Uh, the Reds would put him at different position when they felt his legs uh, should be getting a rest because, you know, normally catchers aren't, aren't playing all 162. They're normally not even playing 150 games. So they figured he's a force in the lineup. We need to keep him in the lineup. So we'll put him at different positions at different points in the season uh, just to, just to give those legs a rest. And he ended up starting five games at first base and 17 games in the outfield, kind of proving what a great athlete he really was. And he also uh, started two games in center field. So the premier outfield position he played, uh, he played two games at in 1970. Um, very, very good athlete for sure. All state in basketball uh, started two games at center field. I mean, very, very good. And it was incredibly important to, it, it was incredibly important that he stay in the lineup because through August 23rd, he had 42 home runs and 125 RBI in 125 games played, an RBI per game. Wow. And he had already set the record for home runs by a catcher up to this point. It's not even September yet. And on the season ended up hitting 293 with a 932 OPS, a 141 OPS plus and a 144 weighted runs created plus. And he got the job done with runners in scoring position. Once again, hit 318 with a 1071 OPS with runners in scoring position. And he finished 10, finished ninth in OPS, 10th in OPS plus and ninth in weighted runs created plus. And in 1970, uh, also finished, you know, uh, offense aside, finished second and caught stealing percentage with 48.4%. And he also finished fourth among all National League fielders in defensive wins above replacement and defensive runs above average. And he led the league in home runs and RBI with 45 home runs and 148 RBI. And he led the league in B-War and finished second in the league in F4. And he ended up winning the gold glove and winning the most valuable player award. And his runs scored uh, with 97 home runs, RBI, B war and F war remain the most by a catcher in their age 22 season or younger. And his 45 home runs and 148 RBI Remain, by, remain the most by a catcher in a single season. And his 45 home runs are the third most in a single season by a player in their age 22 season or older. And his 148 RBI are the fourth most uh, by a player in their age 22 season or, or uh, younger. My bad. Most in a single season by a player in their age 22 season or younger uh, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> 
And his three seasons, Johnny Bench, his three seasons with 4.5 plus offensive war and one plus D war before his age 23 season are the most such seasons. And it is the only, his 1970 is the only season in baseball history with 40 plus home runs, 148 plus RBI, and 1.5 plus D war. How about that? And the Reds uh, ended up going 102 and 60, uh, responding to Johnny Bench's success. And uh, that was the best record in the National League by 13 whole games. No other team. Uh, out of the 12 in the National League at the time, were able to get within 13 of the Big Red Machine. And in the National League Championship Series, uh, Bench struggled off the bat, went 0 for 6, but with also three walks in the first two games. Uh, But the Reds won both games. And in Game 3, in the first inning in a 1-1 game, following a Tony Perez game-tying home run, Bench hit a go-ahead home run, and the Reds eventually won this game 3-2 to advance to the World Series, uh, sweeping the opponent they uh, they played against. I believe it might have been the Pirates. And Bench, Johnny Bench, throughout this series, uh, slashed 222, 417, 556 for a 972 OPS, uh, and he was 2-for-2 two two throwing out attempting base stealers, so was able to get it done on uh, both sides of the of the field, both sides of home plate, I guess you could say. And in the World Series, in his first World Series uh, uh, plate appearance, he had a man on third base looking to drive him in. Just 22 years old and already has completed his third full year in a major league. He broke Ted Lazuski's old RBI mark of 141. Runner on third, two down, no score. Last of the first inning, he lines it in the left field for a base hit, and Cincinnati's out in front, one to nothing. And their first ball hitting against Jim Palmer. Evidently, they've had something in their scout reports. Jump on him. Perez went after the first pitch, and Bench went after the first pitch. Cincinnati leads one to nothing. Hey, by the way, there, by the way, gotta love a good Ted Kozlowski names drop there. I, I probably appreciate that so much. That's a that's a guy that does not get enough attention. I'll say yeah, that uh, shortstop for the uh, Reds, right? Yeah, one twenty three career OPS plus uh, as a shortstop yeah. in the in the fifties and sixties. Yep. Yeah, he's actually in. Um, it is funny because I did look up the uh, lyrics to Willie Mickey and the Duke, that, that uh, baseball song. And I was yeah. wondering what that, what one of the names were. And it was Klazuski. Yep. Klazuski and Campanella. And I was, I was, didn't quite get the name of uh, Klazuski. And yeah, I mean, like. You finished second quicker. to Willie Mays in 1954 for the MVP, I believe. Yes, he did. Uh, he led in uh, homers and RBI that year. Yeah. He had 49. As a shortstop, yeah. 49 home runs as a shortstop in the in 1954. That's that's some impressive stuff. That's got to be a, yeah. That's got to be a record. Yeah. Anyway, that's our Ted Kozlowski uh, appreciation segment. You can carry on. 
and that's the uh that's the ted klozuski episode uh I hope, we hope you enjoyed the show if you're listening to an apple podcast or spotify <laughs> but johnny bench johnny bench in his first plate appearance drove in a run and after that he had two more opportunities with men in scoring position uh but he popped out to second base and grounded out to third in those opportunities still i guess a 333 average with runners in scoring position on the day however the lo- the reds lost game one uh by the score of four to three and in game two uh bench went one for three with a walk and a home run but it was in a six to five loss uh game three went 0 for four in a nine to three loss in game four, he went one for four in a six to five win, uh, which saved the series for the Reds. And then in game five, uh, he went one for four in a nine to three loss. So the the Orioles got to uh, got to the pitching staff pretty clearly as they scored four runs, nine runs, or four runs, six runs, three runs, five, uh, six. Never mind. You can do you can do it, Chris. They scored. Four runs, six runs, three runs, no, nine runs, then five, then nine. They scored a lot of runs. They scored a lot of runs. It wasn't really on the offense. Uh, yeah. Bench hit bench hit 211 with a 618 OPS throughout the series, uh, but also was two for two throwing out attempting base stealers. So definitely keeping the running game at bay uh, yeah. from Baltimore. Yep. So we move on to the 1971 season. Johnny Bench was once again selected to the All-Star game. He started, and he tested the limits of the old Tiger Stadium while he was there. There's a high drive to deep right center. That one is going, and it is gone in the upper deck. A tremendous drive on a high outside pitch by Johnny Bench. I was just about to say that Blue doesn't give up many homers either. Kurt, that's the kind of pitch you rarely see hit off a hard-throwing fastball pitcher like Vita Blue or a Koufax or any other hard thrower. A pitch high and almost in the eyes of Johnny Bench. That's the ball that usually really moves. I love that Sandy Koufax was still getting his name dropped five years after he retired. Yeah, that's like... uh... It's like if Derek Jeter was getting yeah name dropped or like I don't know uh, Mark Burley, Tory Hunter, Mark Burley, yeah Mark Burley or uh, I guess Rivera, but Rivera's like yeah the best. Regardless, the fact that Sandy Koufax was five years removed from the game and people were still comparing him to like the great pitchers of today's game, like Vita Blue. Yeah, yeah, they so they just had never seen anything like Koufax, <laughs> and like it just they couldn't. Like we'll just we'll just test that that we'll just assume that they were watching five years ago. We'll just run with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, wild. Despite making the All Star game, Johnny Bench actually ended up having a down year for his standards. Uh, then again, he set the bar higher and higher every year, but this was the year he wasn't able to repeat that. For qualifying seasons, he set career lows in the entire quadruple slash line. He slashed 238, 299, 423, 738. He had an OPS plus of 107, a weighted runs created plus of 106. Uh, his, he set a career low in hits, and he set a career low in RBI. Also, he hit 191 with a 564 OPS with runners in scoring position. But his 41.3 caught stealing percentage ranked fifth and was, in the six, it was six percentage points above average. Uh, but it was a career low for him at the time. 
and he ended up finishing ninth in the uh, among all fielders in the NL in defensive war and defensive runs above average, which gave him a gold glove. And the Reds finished 79 and 83 and fourth in the National League West. So now we're kind of out of the infancy stage of Johnny Bench's career and the machine. Uh, the 1972 season probably start of sort of starts you know the machine we sort of know uh today uh and uh that's you know because of the acquisition of of joe morgan and from about 1972 to 1976 this is where johnny bench is sort of leading the machine may not be the best player every year for the team but he's the man behind the dish uh you know who's always been there who is uh helping help and lead the charge for the Cincinnati Reds. So before the 1972 season, his season high for walks was 54. And he had actually surpassed that mark in 1972 before the team had even played 100 games. And he ended up with 100 walks on the year, uh, surpassing his career high by 46. So probably put an emphasis on uh, seeing the ball a little better. And he also ended up with a career high on base percentage, uh, which was 379, and that ranked 10th in the National League, first time he ranked uh, in the top 10 in on base percentage. And he finished fourth in OPS with a 920, uh, second in OPS plus with a 166, and fourth in weighted runs created plus with a 156. And Bench also ended up leading the league in home runs once again with 40. And prior to the season, uh, the Reds traded for Joe Morgan, who put up a league leading 417 on base percentage that year. And he hit behind Pete Rose, who had always been with the Reds. And Rose put up a 382 on base percentage, which ranked ninth in the league. And this led Bench to having the most played appearances with runners in scoring position that year. And that led him to leading the league in RBI with 125. So he had a ton of opportunities and he made sure, made sure to drive in those runners. A lot of the times probably being uh, Joe Morgan and Pete Rose and bench was also phenomenal uh, defensively. Of course, led the league and caught stealing percentage. Once again, uh, nailing 56.4% of attempting base stealers. Uh, he also led the league among all, NL fielders, all national, all national league fielders, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, outfield, and catcher. Let all, let among all those fielders in defensive wins above replacement and defensive runs above average, and he ended up finishing second in B WAR, uh, behind teammate Joe Morgan, and he led the league in F WAR, and he also won the Gold Glove, of course. And he won his second Most Valuable Player Award. And he is the only player to have multiple seasons with 40-plus home runs and 125-plus RBI before their age 25 season. How about that? And his 1972 is the only season by a, play, by a player in their age 24 season or younger in the live ball era with an OPS plus of 165 or better and 2.2 plus D war. And it is the only season by a catcher with two plus D war and an OPS plus of 160 or better. How about that? 
and it is the only season in baseball history by anyone with 40-plus home runs, 100-plus walks, and 2.4-plus D-War. How about that? And because a player's strike, uh, kind of a player, a forgotten player's strike, uh, actually delayed the start of the season by just a week and a half, uh, the Reds only ended up playing uh, 154 regular season games. And they went 95-59 and 59 and won the National League West by a 10-and-a-half game margin. So the Reds uh, lost two of the first three, and that was where Bench went two for 11 with a walk, uh, a double, and a triple. So I guess, you know, both of his hits were extra base hits. Uh, But in game four, he went two for three with a sacrifice fly and a seven to one victory. And in game five, which was, uh, as we know, an elimination game as the LCS was not uh, best of seven until... 1985 uh he was one for three on the night entering the ninth inning and he let off the ninth inning uh let off the ninth inning down with the team down three to two uh looking looking to make a difference maybe maybe start a rally leading off the inning against dave justy one of the great right-handed relievers in history basically and people were hollering in the stands, Johnny, Johnny, and somebody said, it's your mother. And I turned around and I looked at her and she said, hit me a home run. And I sort of glowed. I thought, Mom, I wish you were that easy and I wish it weren't Dave Justy. Well, we're either going to start celebrating again in Pittsburgh very shortly. Or all kinds of stuff that's going to break loose here in Cincinnati in this ballpark and around town. A one-two pitch. There's a drive hit deep to right, way back. third. They had him there with one out. Now they're two down. Here's the 1-1 one, one pitch. Into the dirt! So Johnny Bench ties the game and then as you saw uh, later on the Red later on in that same inning uh, the Reds won on a wild pitch and won the National League pennant. And throughout the series, Johnny Bench hit 333 with a 1017 OPS, and he threw out the only base dealer that dared try. And he also, Bench also had the highest win probability added of anyone in the series. And they did not hand out a league championship series MVPs at the time. But if they did, uh, there's a good chance. Uh, Johnny Bench would have been uh, would have been taken home that award. So now it's time for the World Series, Bench's second World Series of of his career, and the Reds were playing the Oakland Athletics, and the Oakland Athletics 1972 team, 1972 team, uh, remain the only American League team in the live ball era with six or more pitchers with 100 plus innings pitched and an ERA of less than three. So, you know, you knew they were running into a, into a pitching juggernaut, uh, if, that's, if that's the appropriate term. Uh, but, however, Bench did not really have to worry about the pitching at first. He had to worry about who was on the bases. And in game one, the American League's stolen base leader tested 
the National League's caught stealing percentage leader uh, pretty pretty early on. Harrison first. A 1-1 count to Joe Rudy. 26 years old. There goes Campanaris. A curveball's high to throw by Bench. And he's out at second base. Bill Morgan took the throw. Campanaris, a pretty good jump. Johnny Bench, though, can throw out anybody if he throws a strike, and that's what he threw to Joe Morgan. And they nip Campanaris at second. Bench this year threw out 60% of the men who tried to steal on him. He had a good lead off first base, but that rightful arm... Johnny Bench, what more can you say, Al? You've seen it all year long. So Johnny Bench, uh, you know, just this was kind of a this was kind of a highlight video, just to just to show you the arm that Johnny Bench was working with, because you know it's mostly offensive highlights, but you got to throw some defense in there too, uh, because you know there's not a lot of highlights out there of, of him on defense. And should be noted, that was a curveball that he just threw out Burt Campanaris on. Which is pretty pretty crazy to consider. It takes a lot longer for a curveball to get to home plate than a fastball. And in game one, uh, Bench ended up going two two for three with a walk uh, and a double, and scored the Reds only two runs. Uh, but it was a three to two loss. So Bench was really the only offensive contributor for the most part for the Reds in game one. Uh, in game two, he went one for three with a walk uh, in a two to one loss. Once again, Red struggling to score runs. And in game three, he was 0 for 3 on the day uh, when he came up with a base empty in the eighth inning. And Johnny Bench, the MVP that he was, was used to getting intentional walks. Raleigh Finger makes his third series appearance. Tolan steals second without drawing a throw. And that brings Dick Williams out of the dugout for one of his frequent strategy sessions. Raleigh Fingers reveals the substance of the discussion. He pointed to the on-deck circle. He pointed to first base as if we were, we were going to walk him, and he told me we were going to uh, have Gino stand up, and uh, it looked like it was going to be an intentional walk, and then Gino would jump back down into the catcher's box, and uh, we pitched to him. Uh, Williams, he wanted me to throw a break in pitch, and he specifically said throw a slider and not a fastball. We threw a slider on the outside part of the plate for a call strike three. Johnny Bench talks about the ploy from his point of view. Just as uh, fingers went into the windup or into his stretch, uh, I heard Joe Hollard be alert. So I got halfway ready, and he just made a great pitch on me. An Academy Award performance strikes out Bench. So Johnny Bench uh, gets played in one of the biggest ways. Uh, one of the biggest ways you can in, in Major League Baseball. One of the biggest dupes in baseball history. John Johnny Bench was on the wrong end of in Game Three. Uh, however, uh, the Reds won that game, so they won that game one to nothing. So it didn't end up mattering for that day. Uh, and in Game Four, uh, Bench went two for four in a three to two loss. Then in Game Five, he went zero for four in a five to four win to save the series. And then in Game Six, he broke a zero zero tie in the bottom of the fourth inning with a home run. And uh, ended up one for two with two intentional walks in an eight to one win. So led the uh, Reds to to game seven. And in game seven, uh, Bench unfortunately just went 0 for three with an intentional walk in a three to two loss. And throughout the series, Bench slashed 
uh, on the series and, uh, you know, pr pr still, still pretty good for himself and, uh, bench throughout three out of four attempting base stealers, uh, that, that tried to steal off of him in that series. So definitely kept it up in the defensive category as well as the offensive category. Now we move on to 1973 and on July 4th, Johnny Bench once again got a chance in a Midsummer Classic, and he shined once again. Johnny Bench tests American League hurler Bill Singer in the fourth. Johnny Bench's home run gives the National League a two-run margin, three to one. So Johnny Bench once again in the All-Star game showing up. And over the year, he hit 253 with a 774 OPS. That was good for a 119 OPS plus and 115 weighted runs created plus. He led the league in caught stealing percentage once again with a 49.1. And he finished eighth among all NL fielders in D-War and ninth in defensive runs above average. He won the gold glove and finished 10th in the MVP vote. And the Reds, they were dominant. They went 99 and 63 for the best record in the National League. So now we get to the National League Championship Series. And in game one, he doubled with no one on, struck out with a man on second and one out, and then singled with no one on. And with the game tied in the bottom of the ninth, he looked to give himself an RBI for the day. Oh, there's an ad. At 1-1. One, one. One skillet is all you need for this budget-friendly chicken with peas and mushrooms recipe. Here's a pitch. Swung on, hit deep to left. It's here and back. Going, going, and it is gone for a home run for Johnny Bench. The Cincinnati Reds win by a score of 2-1. to one. Bench is rounding the bases. Seaver is almost at the dugout. Johnny Bench is in a home run, and all the Reds are at the plate. Led by Pete Rose as Bench. It's a 1-0 pitch out of the lot, and the Cincinnati Reds have won the game. They are jubilant at the plate as two home runs, one in the eighth and one in the ninth inning, won it for the Cincinnati Reds as they have beaten Tom Seaver, and the Cincinnati Reds take a lead of one game to nine in the championship series. So Johnny Bench hits a walk-off home run to win the game for the Reds 2-1 to one and bring them one up in the series. But unfortunately, the Reds' offense struggled throughout the rest of the series, and the pitching struggled when the Reds needed it most. They did not score more than two runs in a game throughout the series, and they lost game two, five to nothing. They lost game three, nine to two. They lost game four, two to one, and they lost game five, seven to two. Bench in the series went two for 15 with two walks and a double after game one, but hit 263 with an 860 OPS after the series. So, uh, in 1974, in 1974, uh, Bench started 30 games at third base, uh, testing out the corner infield, and he also hit 280 with an 870 OPS, 143 OPS plus, and 142 weighted runs created plus, and he also finished seventh in OPS, 
OPS plus and weighted runs created plus uh, top 10 hitter in all those categories. And he also finished second in caught stealing percentage with 48.6%. And he finished sixth among all National League fielders in defensive war and sixth in defensive runs above average. He also led the league in total bases and runs batted in with 129 RBI. And he finished third in B war and third in F war. And Bench won the gold glove once again and finished fourth in the MVP vote. And this was his third season with 125 plus RBI. No other catcher has more than one such season. How about that? And his 1974 has the most plate appearances in a single season by a player who played at least 50% of their games as a catcher. He had 708 uh, plate appearances, uh, you know, mostly as a catcher. And his 1972 and 1974 seasons uh, make him the only catcher with multiple seasons of 6-plus O-War and 2-plus D-War. How about that? And his 1972 and 1974 seasons remain the only seasons by a catcher with 125-plus RBI and 2-plus D-War. How about that? And it is the only season... His 1974 season is the only season by a catcher with 30 plus home runs, 30 plus doubles, and two plus D war. How about that? And it is the only season by a catcher with two plus D war and more than 125 RBI. How about that? And the Reds went 98 and 64. Uh, usually that leads to an NL West title, but it did not this year as they missed the playoffs. Uh, for the first time in a couple of years. So now we go to 1975. And this year, Johnny Bench hit 283 with an 878 OPS. He had a 140 OPS plus and a 140 weighted runs created plus. So he was a really good hitter this season. He finished ninth in OPS, ninth in OPS plus, and 10th in weighted runs created plus. He also set a career high in stolen bases with 11, and it was not caught once. How about that as a catcher? He finished third in caught stealing percentage with a 45.8%. He also finished eighth among all NL fielders in D-War and eighth in defensive runs above average. And he finished fourth in B-War and third in F-War. He also won the gold glove and finished fourth in the most valuable player vote. And the Reds went 108-54 and this season. Uh, without saying that is obviously the best record in the National League by a 15-and-a-half game margin. Uh, however, Bench struggled in the NLCS going 1-for-13 with six strikeouts, also 0-for-6 with the runners in scoring position. But that did not stop Cincinnati from sweeping the Pittsburgh Pirates and winning the pennant, sending them back to the World Series. In Game 1, Johnny Bench went 0-for-4 in a 6 nothing loss to the Red Sox. In Game 2, he went 2-for-4 with a double and scored the game-tying run in the ninth inning for a 3-2 victory. Now in Game 3, he finished... In the fourth inning, with a man on second and two out, down 1-0, he looked to put Cincinnati on the board. Two down. That wakes the Red fans up. And Bench! Hit the high, deep to left, going, going, gone!
So that puts them on the board in the end. The Reds ended up winning that game six to five and going up two to one in the series. But in game four, Bench did go one for four with an RBI double, but it was in a 5-4 loss. In game five, he went one for three with a walk in a 6-2 win. And in game six, looking to clinch the series, he went one for six with an RBI single in a 7-6 loss. Of course, this was the game where Carl Yastrzemski waved it fair. So now we go to game seven. Bench went 0 for four with a walk, but it was a 4-3 win, and Bench and the Reds were finally World Series champions. Uh, Bench was two for two, throwing out attempting runners throughout the series. Uh, No free tacos for the world that year. And from 1969 to 1975, he had the third most home runs, the second most RBI, the second highest B-War and F-War among position players in the MLB. Also from 1970 to 1975, he was fifth among all fielders in D-War and defensive runs above average. Yes, that... uh caps off a pretty dominant era from Johnny Benjamin. I believe you meant to say Carlton Fisk. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. I did mean to say Carlton Fisk. Carlton Fisk waved it fair. You're right. But I'm sorry. You know, Carl, Carl's. Yeah. Carl's. Red Sox legend. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Retired, retired number. Yeah. Yeah. You can confuse that. Yeah. So now after Bench gets his first uh, World Series, uh, it's time to uh, try to defend that defend that title. And Bench, uh, in the regular season, kind of took a dip. He hit 234 with a 741 OPS, uh, a 109 OPS plus, and a 112 weighted runs created plus. About a 30-point dip in, uh, in the OPS plus and weighted runs created plus. Uh, but he did set a career high in stolen bases with 13. Uh, he was 13 for 15 in uh, stolen base attempts. And he finished fourth in caught stealing percentage with with forty two point four percent of uh, attempted base runners, attempted base stealers getting caught, and he finished third among all National League fielders in defensive wins above replacement and defensive runs above average, and he finished tenth in B WAR and eighth in F WAR, uh, despite these somewhat average offensive statistics. His defense was able to carry him, and he won the Gold Glove again. And the Reds went 102 and 60 and won the National League West by a 10 game margin. So Bench is back in the playoffs again. And, you know, the rest of the Reds. And in game one, uh, Bench went two for five with a double and a six to three win over the Phillies. Uh, Steve Carlton started that game. That was his first playoff start. Check out the Steve Carlton episode. And in game two, uh, bench went one for four in a six to two victory, uh, giving the Reds the two nothing series lead. And in game three, uh, he was 0 for two with a walk and uh, then was on deck while the Reds were down six to four. So he was on deck. Reds were down by down by two in game three. And uh, the batter ahead of him hit a home run. And then Johnny Bench was uh was looking to hit his looking to get his first hit of the day that man is still in very good shape of course even if the Phillies hold on he'd like to find one more run right now you you? Betcha. yeah he doesn't want to prolong it I mean Sparky likes the theater but enough's enough keep the drama there it's a 
deep center field. Barry Maddox goes all the way back at the wall. Gone! So Johnny Bench, once again, another clutch playoff home run from Bench where uh, he ties the game. Back-to-back uh, -back home runs to tie the game for the Reds. And later that inning, the Reds walked it off to win uh, and win their second straight National League pennant. And throughout the series, Bench was 4-for-12 for with a walk, stolen base, double, and home run. And he threw out the only attempting base stealer. Uh once again, 100% on uh, nailing attempting base stealers in the playoffs. So now we head to the World Series. And in game one, uh, Bench went two for three with an RBI triple in a five to one win over the Yankees. In game two, he went two for four with a double in a four to three win. And in game three, he also went two for four once again in a 6-2 win. First three, first three games, two hits each, and the Reds were what now one win away from one win away from uh, winning their second straight World Series title. And in game four, Bench came up in his second at-bat uh, with the game tied 1-1 one one, and a man on first with two outs in the inning, looking to keep the inning alive. It's gone if it's fair. Hit the screen for a home run. Johnny Bench has just put the Reds out in front, three to one. And Figueroa got that ball where I thought was a good spot up and in. And as Tony said, Bench's new style of aiming that bat at the pitcher, he timed it beautifully. I don't know if that was a fastball or a breaking ball. It looked like he was trying to get it in, Phil, but it didn't look like it had a lot of stuff on it like previous fastballs. It may have even been a hanging slider. There's that big, tall foul pole, both corners in Yankee Stadium. A lot of arguments before they put those up. So Bench uh, hits a home run, his first home run of the series, and uh, gives the Reds the 3-1 to one lead. And uh, he flew out in his third plate appearance of the day. And then with the Reds leading three to two in the top of the ninth inning with two men on and one man out, uh, Johnny Bench came up looking to provide some insurance for the machine. Deep to left field. Roy White going way back, way back. Leaps and home run. It's a home run. They've signaled home run. Even though Roy White, the left field umpire Lou DeMuro has signaled a home run so Johnny Bench has just hit his second home run of the night a three-run homer and the Cincinnati Reds now lead six to two Roy White really gave that ball a chase and here it is 
Wright has made many plays like this, Joe, during the year. He's got a way of timing his leap. But it did not hit his glove. You saw it hit the fan there and then come back on the field. As uh, some poor New Yorker just gets nailed in the chest with a Johnny Bench line drive home run. But that's his second home run of the day. Makes it a 6-2 to two Reds lead. And he ended up uh, two for four on the day with two home runs and five RBI. And, of course, the Reds won that game uh, by the score of 7-2. to two and won their second consecutive World Series, making Bench a two-time World Series champion. And throughout the series, he hit 533 with a 1667 OPS in 15 play appearances, uh, and he threw out one out of two of the attempting base stealers, still half, very good. And because of that 1667 OPS uh, in the World Series, Bench one World Series MVP uh, to add to his trophy collection. And throughout the playoffs, Bench hit 444 with a 1390 OPS uh, with three home runs and seven RBI in 28 plate appearances. And he hit safely in each of the seven playoff games and reached base safely multiple times uh, in all but one of the playoff games. So six out of seven of those playoff games uh, he was reaching base multiple times. And in his playoff career up to this point, he had thrown out 13 out of 15 attempting base stealers. Almost 90% of attempting base stealers uh, had their fate ruined by Johnny Bench behind the plate, which is pretty remarkable. Maybe the most impressive thing yet that we've uh, we've talked about with Johnny Bench. Yeah, for sure. So now the machine fades and bench stays the same from 1977 to 1980. This is kind of the theme of his, of this portion of his career in 1977, he hit 275 with an 889 OPS, a 133 OPS plus and 132 weighted runs created. Plus he finished eighth in OPS. He hit 318 with runners in scoring position and he drove in 109 runs. He also finished fifth in caught stealing percentage with a 39.6% success rate. He finished 10th in B-War and 9th in F-War. And once again, he won a gold glove and finished 21st in the MVP vote. He became the first player to win 10 gold gloves before their age 30 season. Uh, he has since been good. Only, <laughs> only two people have since joined him on that list, and it, they are Hall of Famers Pudge Rodriguez and Ken Griffey Jr. The Reds went 88 and 74 this season. They, went, they finished second in the National League West. So now on to 1978. Uh, in his first 23 games, Bench hit 299 with a 953 OPS, but he struggled in his next 21, where he hit 145 with a 464 OPS. And then in the next team's 30 games, due to injuries, he only played three games where he pinch hit. And overall, he ended up hitting 260 with an 823 OPS, 129 OPS plus, 126 weighted runs created plus in 120 games and 451 plate appearances. Uh, Despite the short season, he did still end up finishing fourth in cost dealing percentage with a 41.7% success rate. So now we're on to 1979, which is, you know, the last, you know, probably the last uh, great season of, of Johnny Bench's career and kind of the last hurrah of the, uh, of the big red machine, if you uh, if you could call it that. Uh, so after 
after July 14th, uh, the Reds were the Reds and Bench were kind of struggling. Bench was hitting 248 with a 706 OPS uh, after July uh, up up to and through like July 13th, and the Reds were 47 and 46, seven games back of the seven games behind in the NL West race. So both Bench and the Reds were looking mediocre in mid-July. And after that date, however, Johnny Bench hit 312 with a 976 OPS, looking like his looking like he is in his MVP days. And the Reds went 43 and 25 uh, to come back and win the National League West. And Bench ended up with a 276 average, an 824 OPS, a 123 OPS plus, and a 125 weighted runs created plus. He finished ninth, you know, still top 10 in caught stealing percentage with 39.1%. It was still above average, even in his 12th year of uh, 12th full year of catching. And Bench also finished fourth among all National League fielders in D war and defensive runs above average. And he finished, and because of this, he finished seventh in B war and ninth in F war. And he also was able to finish 23rd, also be able to finish 23rd in the MVP vote. And uh, this was his, his 1979 season was his 12th season with three plus offensive war and one plus defensive war. Uh, no other player has more than nine such seasons before their age uh, 32 season. How about that? Or through their uh, age 31 season. And uh, now the Reds were in the playoffs uh, for the first time in three years. And in game one, Bench went two for three with two walks. Uh, despite reaching base four times, the Reds lost that game five to two. And in game two, he went 0 for five in a three to two loss. And in game three, he went one for four with a solo home run. Uh, but that run was the only run the Reds the Red scored. Uh, it was a seven to one loss for the Reds and the Reds uh, got swept in that series by the Pittsburgh pirates and family, the, we are family pirates and bench had a 1024 OPS throughout the series. Uh, so, you know, can't really put it, put any of it on bench. He did everything he could to help with an OPS above 1000. And this was, uh, the last of his postseason played, uh, the last of his postseason appearances, and he ended up with an 862 career playoff OPS in 188 plate appearances, which that's a that's a very good OPS. You know, also considering this was the 70s, where offense really was not as a uh, not as prominent. So 862 career playoff OPS, very good. Definitely made his mark in the playoffs in his career. Yeah. So now we switch the decade over to the 80s. Uh, in 1980, this is a tough year for him. He had career lows and games played with 114, played appearances with 407. He hit 250 with an 810 OPS, 123 OPS plus, and 125 weighted runs created plus. He had a below average caught stealing percentage for the first time in his career. Uh, it took this long, which is pretty impressive. But he still finished 17th in the MVP vote. And the Reds went 89 and 73. They finished third in the NL West, three and a half games behind the division winner. 
yeah, I guess they were able to, uh, I guess they respected the uh, offensive numbers because, you know, he wasn't playing as much, but the offensive numbers were still pretty good. OPS plus and weighted runs created plus above, above 120. Very good for a catcher, but, yeah. you know, didn't have the, uh, didn't have the production that he normally did. And uh, now uh, we're in the phase of his career where Johnny Bench is no longer behind the plate. Uh, he's actually playing different positions. Uh, this is from 1981 until the end of his career in 1983. So in 81, uh, Bench played in 52 out of the Reds' 110 games. Uh, of course, this was a strike year where the uh, where the players had a strike in the middle of the season, and he played 38 uh, games at first base and only seven at catcher. And Bench also. Uh, you know, despite only playing 52 games, was able to produce pretty well in those 52 games. He hit 309 with a with an 858 OPS and 141 OPS plus and 143 weighted runs created plus. Uh, that was in just 196 plate appearances. And uh, funny thing about the 1981 Reds is they actually had the best record in the National League West, uh, but. Because the 1981 season was cut in half by the strike, uh, the two National League West teams that would make the playoffs were the team with the best record in the first half and the team with the best record in the second half of the season, pre-strike and after strike. And the Reds finished second in both halves, uh, ending up a half game behind in the first half and one and a half games behind in the second half. So even though they had the best record total in the National League West, uh, they did not make the playoffs in in 1981, which uh, fortunate bad bad luck for the uh, for the old Red Legs. Yeah. So now we move on to 1982. Uh, not a very eventful year for Johnny Bench, unfortunately. He played 107 games at third base, eight at first base, and one inning. Not even one game, one inning at catcher. And he hit 258 with a 716 OPS, a 98 OPS plus, and then 99 weighted runs created plus in 119 games and 439 plate appearances. The Reds went 61 and 101 for the worst record in the National League this season. Uh, so now we're in 1983, where in the middle of the season, uh, Bench decided this this would be his last year, and he was, uh, you know, because this was kind of a farewell tour farewell tour for him uh he was selected to his 14th and final all-star game uh which is where he popped out to short uh but in 30 career plate appearances in the all-star game he was fantastic hit 357 with a 1079 ops and three home runs in 30 career plate appearances at the all-star game uh pretty uh he was very good in that midsummer classic and bench would get cheers from the National League ballparks all over uh, with with the fans knowing that this would be the last time that they would be seeing Johnny Bench. So they made sure to give their appreciation. And on September 17th, uh, the Reds hosted Johnny Bench night. And Bench made his final start as a catcher on this night. And he walked in his first plate appearance. And he then he came up with the Reds down 2 to nothing with a man on base looking to uh, looking to produce for one of the final times in his career. The 0-1, swung on and hit well to left field. Get out of here, baseball! They scored! Oh, my God! 
you believe it? Johnny Bench has tied it up. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. He makes the tour, and I'll tell you what, you can't write anything like that. So Johnny Bench makes a lasting impression for the Reds fans uh, with that home run. And uh, this was not his final uh, at-bat ever, by the way, although it very well could have been. But in his final at-bat, he pinch hit in the pitcher's spot with the bases loaded, and he actually hit a two-run single in his final at-bat. And uh, in 1983, he ended up playing 42 games at third base, 32 at first base, and five uh, behind the dish. And Bench ended up hitting... 255 with a 741 OPS, a 101 OPS plus, and 102 weighted runs created plus in 110 games and 334 plate appearances. So still, despite this being a farewell year for him, was able to uh, maintain an above average above average offensive production uh, according to uh, baseball reference and fan graphs. But now we head into the post-career, kind of not very eventful uh, from what, we were able to find yeah so in the post career uh he's ho- he hosted the baseball bunch well which as described on society of american baseball research was a syndic syndicated syndicated tv show in which a group of boys and girls learned the finer points of the game from johnny bench as well as other current and former players so pretty cool there uh he is uh he's helping out the youth Play the game of baseball and in 1989 he was inducted into baseball's hall of fame with a 96.4 percent of the vote very very good and in 1999 he was named the ml he was named to the mlb's all century team as the top ranking catcher and he had his number retired by the reds and a statue of him unveiled at great american ballpark he remains active in the baseball world. Most recently, uh, he he was shown as being on the side of Fernando Tatis Jr. in his little beef he had with the Rangers this past season. So it's nice to see that Johnny Bench, as an as an old school type of player, is still on the right side of history here. Yes, very very much so. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was funny that when uh, when he came up. Uh... Also, he's been doing some commercials that have been airing on MLB Network. Uh, I want to say it's Blue Emu. No, it's not that. Um, yeah, Blue Emu. It is Blue Emu, uh, yeah. Holding seven, uh, seven hamburgers. Burgers. Yeah. Yeah, and like this is a little side thing, and I couldn't really find great video of him doing this, but he is famous. Uh, if if uh, anyone was unaware, he is famous for being able to hold seven baseballs in his hand. In one hand. Uh, he, in, yeah, in his in one hand. And... Uh, there is a clip of him doing it on uh, David Let David Letterman's in 1983, but he he has it for like one second and it all falls apart. So I don't think yeah. the video would uh, accurate. If, if you want to look it up, it's on Google. Just look up Johnny Bench seven baseballs in one hand and you'll find it. Yes, I yes, wanted to uh, use that as a background picture, but I couldn't find a good one. Yeah, it's it's hard, and I mean, you know, it's hard to do that for any any longer than like one second so mm-hmm. you know it's hard to find that but in terms of johnny bench in the all-time ranks he's 50th all-time in position player b war and 44th all-time in career position player f war and among catchers 
He is eighth in runs scored, sixth in de- in defensive wins uh, defensive wins above replacement, third in offensive wins above replacement, third in RBI, and second among catchers in home runs. And Bench is also first among catchers in both B WAR and F WAR. So greatest catcher of all time according to those metrics. And now for the Johnny Bench edition of. So Johnny Bench uh, has 12 seasons with four plus B war. No other catcher has more than eight such seasons. He is also the only catcher in baseball history with 380 plus home runs and 380 plus doubles. He is also the only catcher in baseball history. And also I should note uh, catcher, as 50 50 of games played as as a catcher he's the only catcher under those metrics with 2000 plus hits and 860 plus walks How about that? he is also the only catcher in baseball history with 8500 plus plate appearances and an ops plus of 125 or higher How about that? and johnny bench's 12 seasons with three plus offensive war and one plus D war are the most such seasons in baseball history at any position. How about that? And bench is the only player in the live ball era with 19 plus career D war and an OPS plus of 125 or better. How about that? So now for Johnny Bench's legacy, uh, Johnny Bench uh, first of all, one of the main contrib- one one of the main contributors to the Big Red Machine. Uh, he was there for the for the entire reign of the Big Big Red Machine, and uh, probably one of the leaders, both offensively and defensively. And he was mostly uh, in the cleanup spot for for most of that time. And he definitely had his playoff moments, winning. And you know he won a. Uh, won the 1976 World Series MVP. So he was definitely a, a big part of the big big red machine. And uh, what should be noted with Bench also is he was the only main contributor of the big red machine. You know, mid, main contributors going as far as, you know, Joe Morgan, Pete Rose, uh, Tony Perez, even like Gary Nolan with pitching. Uh, he was the only, only one of those types – of players to stay with the Reds for his entire career, which uh, should be noted 17 years, all with the Reds for, for Johnny Bench. And also Johnny Bench was very, you know, he was able to catch for a long time because of his own toughness. Uh, a, a quote from Society of American Baseball Research says, uh, during his career, he broke six bones in, in each foot uh, from foul tips. Twice broke his thumb and also battled problems with back and shoulder, uh, with his back and shoulder from collision, collisions. After his playing career, he had, he had left and right hip replacements, injuries he dated back to his bus and car accidents as a teenager. Bench knew the price he paid, but took pride in his reputation for playing with pain. Are there times I wish I hadn't caught? Sure, but then I wouldn't have been Johnny Bench. Respect. Very 
very respectable. He played over 1,700 games behind the dish, uh, which is something not a lot of players can get to. And Bench is pretty clearly uh, the greatest catcher of all time. Uh, no one really disagrees with that out there in the baseball world, from casual fans to you know old school baseball fans to sabermetricians. Most everyone agrees that he is the greatest catcher of all time. And uh, it's because no other catcher has been, has ever been that elite, both offensively and defensively. You know, a guy who had a career OPS plus of 126, uh, which is actually two under Sammy Sosa, who, you know, was known for his offense. Uh, and a guy who almost had 20 defensive uh, wins above replacement. He had more defensive wins above replacement than, you know, Willie Mays for example, you know, he was amazing both offensively and defensively. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen that from a catcher at, at that elite of a level from, from both sides. So that's, uh, that's Johnny bench from, from me. I think you hit kind of hit the nail on the head there with that last point about having the elite production on both offense and defense. You know, if we're discussing the best offensive catcher of all time, a lot of people, I think, would lean towards Mike Piazza. If we're talking best defensive catcher, I think a lot of people would lean to Pudge Rodriguez. But if we're talking overall combining, there's no arguing it's Johnny Bench. And you, like you said, nobody really argues it. No, no matter who you are, uh, if you've looked into it, you you probably agree. And that comes from, you know, someone who watched him play or someone our age who wasn't even born when he was playing and wasn't even close to being born when he was playing. My, yeah. my dad was, my parents were like in high school when, when he retired. So, I mean, we're not anywhere close to, uh, to have been watching him play. Yeah, of course. And yeah, like it's, it's funny, like Johnny Bench being like the greatest catcher of all time. It's one of the least argued points I would say yep. in terms of like, yeah, debates for baseball. That's correct. Yeah. It's, uh, every, everyone, it's kind of a consensus with, uh, mm-hmm with that for for johnny bench yeah and yeah like uh you know he he was you know constantly top 10 in ops and constantly like leading the league and caught stealing percentage uh pretty wild that he was able to do that for and you know he had a 17 career a 17 year career about 16 full seasons you know that's a very long time for a catcher to be able to do that you know not a lot of catchers are able to get to that many plate appearances that he had and uh and you know all of all of that 10 go- you know 10 gold gloves pretty amazing most most by a catcher ever uh, yeah he has the yeah he has, he has the uh or no i think Yvonne rodriguez has I, was, uh, I think pudge may have a little bit more yeah pudge has 13 yeah but johnny bench was the first catcher to get to 10 but yeah that does it for Johnny Bench, we hope you enjoyed uh, the Johnny Bench part of the episode. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, go to our YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Uh, we have the Baseball History Series as a playlist. We have all the videos. We have uh, all our Hall of Fame breakdowns from the uh, all, our, all our Bubble Case Hall of Fame breakdowns from that. If you want to follow us on social media, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta on Twitter. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow our show Instagram 
at Above Replacement Radio. And we hope you enjoyed the Johnny Bench part of the episode, and we hope to see you tomorrow, where we are going to be talking about the 2011 Cardinals.